Um, Ephesians chapter 2, reading from, continuing from verse 15. Now, I will read through to the end of this chapter, assuming that we'll get through it if we sprint. But um, then we we'll comment about 14, 1 and through. But reading with, from 15 of 1 Ephesians chapter 1 through 23. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. End of reading, end of chapter 1. We mentioned last time the um, well, what I thought was some incredible truths from verse 13 and 14, just for connection. Um, it says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth of the gospel of your salvation, Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Quick question to recap. The inheritance there, who or what is the inheritance in verse 14? We, uh, we, we are the inheritance. Who, uh, so who, if I am an inheritance, to who? Who's given us a pledge of our inheritance? The Holy Spirit is going to say, who's given? Who's doing the giving? The Holy Spirit is given. So, as a pledge, as a down payment we mentioned last time. Do we have the whole when do we get the Holy Spirit in here? When do we or it possesses us? That is absolutely true. When one pleases faith. So that's when the seal is done, that you were sealed in him, the Holy Spirit. Is that when the seal took place? Agree. Alright, and who is, this is the Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is given as a pledge? So, if he, the Holy Spirit is given, who is doing the giving? What is it that we get? We get the Holy Spirit. So, who's giving the Holy Spirit? God, okay. Who, who, so, he's, God is giving us. God is giving us the, the Holy Spirit as a pledge of our inheritance. This is like a down payment of our inheritance. It seems as if there's something more to come. Would that make sense? If this is like a pledge, like a down payment, that there's more to come. Right? Um, with a view of the redemption of God's own possession. Now that's a little strange there. If there's more to come, it says with a view. Or could that be said regarding our redemption? Would that 
be possible. Um, how does, let me hear if there's any difference how yours read. Um, maybe it is clearer or more confusing, depending on how, how I question. Yeah. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us everything He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. This is just one more reason for us to praise our glorious God. Wow. It's a little wordy. Okay, very good. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, and this redemption there, um, promise, okay, any any a different reading to that? The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. Okay, so redemption here goes what I've heard so far. The redemption is already taking place. It's past tense. The, 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 the verb and it suggests that it is past tense from both reading. But with that, the way I'm reading it here is with a view to the redemption, which is still future. Get it? That's it. Would you say then that um, you're, let, well, let's agree that, let's say you are spirit, body, and soul. Yay? Let's say, would you say that you're Spirit and your soul is already redeemed. Purchased, done, taken care of, secured. The down payment of this body that we have, that still has some defects, this one will be future. So that be like, well, that's one view. That this redemption with a view, if you're going to look forward, what else do I need that is going forward if you talk about me as a person? Because one day this body will join the other two aspects of who I am in terms of spirit and soul and be redeemed. But so I'm going to make a down payment. Now, a down payment does not suggest the total amount, but the quality of the down payment is the same, but the quantity is different. So in other words, I'm putting down some now. Later on, the balance will come. And the same quality. But my quantity, what I put up front, may not be equal to, maybe people say put down 25%, 50%, or 75%, you get the other 25% at some point in the future. But the gift that we have here is that we have received the inheritance, which is the Holy Spirit, is a, and we inherited that as an incredible and when we think of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in fact God Himself. That's a serious kind of inheritance. Let's go to verse 15. For this reason, and because of what you've said so far in, in this uh, chapter, and he says, for this reason, he talked about some marvelous things, basically from, let's say, the fall straight back up to the future, looking forward in verse 14, because there's some element there that suggests going forward in the future. He said, for this reason, I too, having heard of your faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you, and your love for all of the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayer. So Paul is praying for the saints here in Ephesus. And he says, for the reasons to I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how did he do? What, what, give me another synonym for faith here. They heard of your faith, one, and he's going to say something else later on. Your faith in God Jesus Christ, which exists among you. What is your faith? Give me a synonym for I've heard of your blank, but don't use faith. Your belief. I trust. I've heard of your trust, your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you. And it must have been not this. I guess mediocre. So people talking about it. So there was some evidence of their faith. Maybe this still hint at the bottom, maybe suggests that. Not only that is among you, and your love, one part of verse 15, and your love for all the saints. Wouldn't that go together? If you have faith, then you need to be some. How do we know they love the saints? All the saints. Or they like some? No, they seem to have been all inclusive and your love for all of the saints. How do you hear about the love for the saints? What do you think that looked like? What color was that? 
I heard about your faith and your love for all of the saints. What do you think that would have been like? I heard about your love for the saints. What do you think was happening in Ephesus that caused word to get back through um, Facebook to Paul about this love for all the saints? You saw the little YouTube clip from Ephesus to Paul? Paul was in jail and this happened by the believe. So what do you think was happening there? And, and um, the necessity, can you, do you think it exists today while you're thinking about your response that you can have, people have, can show love with no faith? And people can say have faith, but don't demonstrate love. Seems like something is missing in those kinds of situations. I think it's like when James was talking about when we look at James, your good works are evidence of your faith. And Jesus is telling his disciples, they don't know that you're playing disciples, but the way you love what everyone knows. This is just. Should be a natural love flowing of how it should be. And obviously, Paul heard about it, and he is giving thanks for it. You should always. Plus, I, I, I may, I depend on how, as they said, how it's hit me. May I have this question later today. But um, thanks suggests that you already had something that's already been done. Or could you thank, give thanks to something future? Um, when do we, what is generally, or how, uh, what is the source? for our thankfulness. Usually it's because of something already happened. Usually historic. Yeah. And give thanks. So when Paul says here that he gives thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that's a good thing. Paul prayed for them, I guess, regularly. Uh, um, and I wonder what he was giving thanks for. What do you think he would have given God thanks? So something must have, in the past, because if he gave thanks again, but he said it was for them, uh, making mention of you in my prayers. And he says, I do not cease giving thanks. He didn't stop giving thanks for you, for the reading. What do you think he was giving thanks for? Just, just a hypothetical. I can't prove other than what's written here in the text. But what do you think Paul may have been giving God thanks for? Something in the past that would have happened for these Believers at Ephesus. I guess for their faith to continue, uh, to stay strong, to But but that 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 sounds like if he's asking for some future, he's asking for something that's some intercession for something which may be future. But what would he? What would be the cause for him to want to give thanks? For those who heard about them, what he heard, um, that they could still continue to love all the saints. And we talk about demonstrating that love because we can say it, um, but there's no. How do you have somebody from outside looking in? As you mentioned in Jesus' quote, um, this is how you know that you might say, love one. How do you, how do you know that? And um, I think in Paul again mentions in Corinthians that what if somebody comes in from outside a stranger? Can they observe? Can they do that? Can their senses detect these people love one another? What would that look like? Because we're singing from the same hymn book. We sit in the same pew. Unlikely. Maybe we wear the same uniform. No. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean so. Yes, maybe he's heard about the love, and so he's thanking God for that. That's good. What else do you think um, he could, as a source or cause for him to give thanks for? Give thanks. Without ceasing? Their trust in the Lord. Their trust, their faith. All right. I thank you for what is already exists. And obviously, it seemingly is, is growing. And so, every time that he probably gets an update, he is thanking God for what he's hearing. And also the consistency um, of what's taking place 
in the lives of the believers at Ephesus. And so there, there's a good cause. Verse 17 says this. Well, I'm sorry, let's go back to, to uh, 16. Do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayer. 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Look, that's funny, funny language. Let's pause it. Say that to me back in your own back words. Yep. What's, what's he saying there? You, you, don't, you don't normally talk exaggerized like that today. So what is it saying in verse 17? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Funny words. Well, so Nico is much clearer than everybody. And this is going to bring cloudy to the whole thing. That's why we don't have to turn on the light here today because the light is coming. How does yours read, Anthony? It says, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. See that? So hopefully you understand that much. Yeah. What is wisdom? I, and then I can put spiritual in front of it. But I, you tell me what wisdom is. Come on, you use it every morning? I mean, every week, every month, at least. Wisdom. Knowledge put into action. So if I have knowledge and I don't put it into action, I'm not demonstrating wisdom. But I have knowledge. Knowledge has put into action. Wise. Okay. Do we have a, a vote? Yes. But I, is it unanimous? Aye, aye. Uh, but what is knowledge? <laughs> Just in case, I, I don't want to leave no loose ends hanging here. Because you said knowledge is put in action. Okay. And I put it into action. Busy. Why? Busy. Busy. I'm busy. Wisdom. So what is knowledge? Knowledge is the acquisition. Go on. Complete the sentence. Information. Yeah. And in the context here, this is not general information, right? What, what is this, this specific? Knowledge of him. Knowledge of God. Uh, how do you find that? How do you get that? Where do you get this from? Knowledge of God. The cloud. From there, from Paul. From Paul. Paul, Paul, Paul. And the rest, like from labor, they probably They probably Yeah, yeah some words. Some words are So when they would have gotten this knowledge from these, I guess, funny sources. <laughs> and then now that they've gotten this knowledge about him, when they apply that to life, it is a demonstration of wisdom. Let me, let me qualify that. When they properly apply that, then it was a demonstration of wisdom. Because wisdom is uh, not necessarily... But we'll put it this way. Do you have good wisdom and bad wisdom? Do you have a smart devil and a smart angel. Well, wisdom does not choose sides, right? Oh, you say, but that was smart. Yeah. Uh, a criminal is smart. They learn some basic information. Now, some dumb, yeah. as we say. But um, they, they find out how to circumvent, avoid, bypass systems laws to get their own evil end, or achieve their own evil end. But they're smart. You see how they think, wow, they're creative. And he said, they shouldn't show that on TV. You know, because some people over here, as if people on the other side of the hill don't do these things. They just do their own, in other words, those who are on top of the hill. Wow. So wisdom here then is the application, the proper application of what we know, in this case, knowledge that we have, about God Himself. Verse 18 says, I pray, he's still praying, by the way, 
on. I pray that the eyes of your heart, how many of you know that your eyes, your heart have eyes? Thank you very much. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now, I have enlightened. Give me another word you have there. How many, everybody have enlightened, right? No, what you have instead of enlightened? Flooded. Flood, uh-oh, that sounds like you get drowned. That's a big drowned. <laughs> flooded, flooded. Lighten, enlightened to flood. Whoa. Flooded, no, they got it. Flooded with what? Flooded with light. Oh. Oh, sorry, I didn't finish it. No, you didn't finish it. Well, you just got drowned that poor person, you know? Suffocation, yeah. I pray that, I pray that your eyes would be flooded. Your brother, yeah. I pray that your eyes, my eyes of your heart, might be enlightened. Why? The eyes of your heart. What, what is your? What's you? What do you think your heart is referring to here? And I guess eyes. That's what you see, perceive things with. We can tell Autumn right away that he's not talking about this physical eye that we have. Yeah. I, I told Jade was with me when I met my cardiologist on Blue Road. Yeah? He let him cross the street, he had a little snappiness. Huh? I never met him, by the way, until um, he was crossing the street on the opposite side. He was moving from east to west. And I slowed down just to let him cross. And I didn't know he was my cardiologist until he made a statement. Because when he passed, and he passed, he says, you get a good heart. I think he, how do you know I have to do that? You know, so he must be a cardiologist. That's why I call him my cardiologist. So, thank you. You can relax. So he just look at me and tell me I get a good heart. I got to go to the doctor the next day. Yeah, you know, because he just passed and I get a good heart. So I, I got to, I got to go. I got to, I got to. Go. All right. So, so, so the eyes of my heart, and he had eyes. He meant he could see my heart. Because I stopped my vehicle. I stopped my vehicle was connected to my heart. You see, I don't know how this thing works, you know. Uh -huh. So that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I suggest then that the current eyes of your heart may not be enlightened. That means I can't see clearly now. Yeah, it's a little foggy. You know, it is not as clear as it could be. So that, and there's a reason why he wants this to be enlightened. But I just, what do you think you mean by your heart here? The eyes of your heart. That what is it he wants to be enlightened? Your mind? Okay. I pray that the eyes of your mind, that your mind should be enlightened. Because right now maybe you I, I don't understand certain things clearly. But if you if it is if it is flooded with light, overdosed with light, uh, enlightened, because there's a reason so that you may know. So, when it is not enlightened, I am not knowing, as I should know, what is the hope of his calling. We've been called to some amazing things as believers. And maybe our heart needs some enlightenment. And we talked earlier about the knowledge of him that Paul is praying for for the believers at Ephesus. And maybe part of that will cause an illumination, a flooding of light, an enlightenment of their heart, so that they may know what is the hope of his calling. You are called, what have you been called to? And he named three things here, and let me read them off here and maybe see if we can move them in. Calling, Nelia, here's the first thing called. This is your calling, that they may know the hope of your calling. By the way, let me come back to it. I'm going to ask you something about hope, what hope suggests. Um, the hope of your calling. One, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That's the first thing. Yes, they come now after a while. They do? Yes. Okay, so they did now? Yeah, they just come now. Okay, thanks. <laughs> okay. I was checking on why we were ousted if they're still using their home underneath the mezzanine. And apparently they do. Alright, what are the riches? First one is what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? 
2 and what 19 and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might and in verse 20 and which he sorry which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Uh, it led to more something. But he says, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints? What is hope? Simple words. Hope, wisdom, hope, knowledge. What is hope? The child underneath, no, let's back up a little bit that way. Um, who were here with four or five year olds that the kids are taken care of? You use hope in a sentence with them, and one of them says, What is hope? And you say, Duh, everybody knows what it is. Child says, I don't know what it is. Well, go and ask your mother when church is out, or go and ask your father, okay? That's a sneaky way to get off the hook. Try answer the trial here. Yeah. What is hope? <laughs> Expectation. Expectation. I hope. I hope. I hope. I expect. Can we sell that in the context? That you may know what is the expectation of this court. that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory in his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power. Those three things. Wow. That's what he, that's what he prays for. This hope thing. Does this mean that there's no guarantee he's going to get it? What are you hoping for? Like his calling? I hope I, I, I hope it rain. I expect but there's no guarantee. Do you think that's that element that this hope is suggesting here as it is used that there's no certainty of it being coming into fruition, into reality? Hope? Any thought on that? That's what he prayed now. And I pray, and he perceived that the eyes of your heart may be in light. Why? For three things. He gave three reasons why he gave that your heart may be open. So that you may know what is the hope of your God. So that you may know what is the hope of your God. Could the hope be like. Um, so certain that you can call what is the full benefit of your call. It does seem uh, certain. I think that's why you're saying that so you wouldn't know. I don't think hope in this context has the idea of uncertainty. And be encouraged. Be encouraged? <laughs> no, no. I was flipping through, and I, I, and I was not trying to decide, and I'll be like, you need encouragement. Peter's words, I, I, Peter's words of joy and hope, it's not to trouble, so stick it up. Okay. Okay, we go. Just leave Peter you don't even know substitute word. That you may know what is the hope. Everybody has that word, hope, 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 of his calling. Now, by the way, his calling is the individual believer's calling, or is it Christ's calling, or God's calling? Who's the calling? Who that word before calling? Or is that the individual believer's calling, or is it God's calling? So that you might know what 
is the hope of God's calling. Why is it that God called you? So that you might fully realize what that is. That's why he said, that's why I pray that your eyes will be, so that you can really understand. I wish your eyes of your heart can be open, so that you will see it. What, what God has in store for you. What he's called you for. The hope of his calling with God. Because does it make sense to put hope in the context of talking with God? Does God ever say, I hope? That doesn't make sense with God. I hope. What God hope? Hope? God to hope. Everything is so certain. But let me talk about the hope of his call. Tadika has this amazing thought. It's all in the air. <laughs> But I think the word confident in front of the word hope makes it definite, like... Okay. So there's no ambivalence. I just look at this and it says living hope. <laughs> he is, has given us a new birth into a living hope. So the resurrection. And yeah, that's another message. Amen. So... As we're moving along here, what this is what he wants for your eyes to open. There's a reason for people to open their eyes, for the eyes of their heart to be open, so that they might know what the hope of his calling is God's calling. God has called all of us. And then there's something else. And then he wanted to know what are the riches of his glory. What is what is, what is so rich about God's glory? But some other reading might make it more clearer than what I'm saying. Any, any volunteers? What are the riches of it? That's why, you know, three things for your eyes if you have to be open. One, so that you may know what the hope of his, his calling, God's calling. One, what are the riches of his glory? So we can have an appreciation of what that is. What the, again, what his calling means. The hope of that. Wow. His calling. And then, what are the riches of his glory? <laughs> of the, his inheritance in the saints? Well, what is the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints? <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> you see, let's go. Look, look, you see inheritance? What do, uh, um, his inheritance. Do you have his before inheritance? Who is God's inheritance? His holy people. Mother. I mean, wow. Would you agree then that we are his inheritance? You know, earlier, he's given us an inheritance. Do you see how we flipped the script on it? And now we are his inheritance. As uh, as the camel in the desert would be chewing the cud like a cow or be chewing. Chew on that for a while, mentally, that you are God's inheritance. Normally, when you think of inheritance, it assumes that you're getting something of value. Yeah? He left me, she left me, they left me, an inheritance. What is that? And left me nothing. So, but it has value. God has given us the inheritance as ours. At the past, we got some of it, but we got all of the Holy Spirit. Because when we talked about uh, um, all at one time, at the point, moment of faith or belief, trust in Jesus Christ. But so when it asks you that we have this wisdom that we talked about, mentioned earlier. Um, that's like a added, let's call it boost, uh, supplement to you have a person that just so they can again that comes through the knowledge of who God is. Studying the scripture it is certainly the primary means of doing that, and then how to use that. That's where Holy Spirit comes in. God, show me how I, I learn these words and understand these concepts and principles, but I don't know when and how to use them in my day-to-day -day existence. Teach me how. That's what I'm asking the Holy Spirit's enablement for. And once I understand that, then he tells me here that, then he swing over 
so once I understand the, 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 the hope of God, his call, what that means for me as the beneficiary. And then he turns around and in this, this section now he talks about and what are the riches of his glory of his inheritance? The riches of the glory of his inheritance. That means his inheritance gets glory. That, and if we are the inheritance, we get a little bit of glory going on. Hey. So it says, Bill Cosby, what is it called? That's the choice to come on. Yeah. His inheritance in the saints. His inheritance is enough. But just that, that's a, an amazing thought that you and I are God's inheritance. Now, by the way, God ain't going nowhere. So he left, leave us with nobody to say, for them to inherit us. But God, but just the concept that we are his inheritance. So what, what does God have? He has us. That's a humbling thought. That with all of our vile and efficient, inconsistent habits, even response to him. He invested in us, invests in us these precious commodities. First of all, his Holy Spirit. And then he wants to show off his glory by letting us, giving us the status of calling us his inheritance. That's my inheritance. Wow. Do you remember, read someplace else where it talks about we are joint heirs with Christ? Wow. This is just too much. This is, can't take it, they say. Oh, what is that? But that's what God sees it. This is incredible. You know, this is what is really awesome. You know, according to what God has done. And then verse 19. And what is the, this is the other, the third time. The first is what is his calling, the hope of his calling. The second is what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That's us. By the way, just before I leave that, Titus 2. Um, 14. Can somebody find out if it's still in the Bible? Because some people take things out of the Bible. Let me see if they said anything. Titus 2.14. And while somebody's looking there, that was about 1 Peter 2.8, 2.9. Yeah, but I know you can't find that no more, but 1 Peter 2.9. But you have Titus? Okay. Uh, Lady. <laughs> oh, oh, Titus? No, you find Peter. Oh, you, 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 Peter, you. Peter. <laughs> yeah, we, we listen to Peter. Okay, but some of us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify us unto himself from peculiar people, tell us of good works. We, he causes peculiar people. In other words, that was for himself. You used the word himself earlier. You took, read that part with himself in it so I can know who. Yeah. So he purifies unto himself this peculiar people. That, that's not a gossip. We were a little bit dirty, dirty and so he had to clean us up for himself. Could it be that maybe that has this, that's my inheritance. So he's cleaning up, he's cleaning up the, 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 this, the, this group of persons, these peculiar people that he now refers to him as that's our, his God's inheritance. We are God's inheritance. Okay, First Peter 2 9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a kingdom of priests, God's holy nation, his very own possession. This is so you can show others the goodness of God who has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful Marvelous, marvelous, get it right. Marvelous light, yeah. Wonderful light. Marvelous light. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Marvelous light. Yeah, right. But this is incredible there again. In other words, God does some amazing things for us. Like, he, I guess, I get the sneaky suspicion that he loves us. What are you like, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and very much so that he would go to some, I guess, some bizarre or extraordinary end. To make sure that he that we are that he possess keep us, you know, or and that he demonstrates his love for us. It's again incredible. All right, let's read on. Let's, let's go through nineteen and sit down, see what we can get in the next six minutes. Verse nineteen again. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? 
that's the third thing Paul is praying for. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. How you can put strength and might in the same thing? How strong is your strength? Exactly. Duh. I was supposed to know that, you know? You know, I thought, how strong? That's a crazy question. You're just supposed to say, how strong are you? Or how much strength do you have? That's more like, but you put strong and strength in the same thing. Or you put might. How is might different from strength? Or how is might different from strong? I don't know, Alex Webster? You know? Why not Oxford? Well, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power? Do you want to know how just that's what Paul is praying for? And what are the surpassing greatness? How surpassing greatness? Surpassing greatness of his power. Not just power. Alright, not just power, but this is great power. And not only that, surpassing the great, surpassing that. I don't know, I don't run out of thought. You know, just a thing, just naturally power of God that is attributed to him. And then you talk, then you put a little great, great, they won't do justice to that. And then surpass that. Then when you surpass that, I go blank. But this is the first thing, that what is that we might come to understand what is the, but now, eyes of our heart has been opened, is what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? Now, obviously we want that power to come towards us not in a way that will harm us, but will be to our benefit, be to us who are his inheritance, to hear to our benefit. These are in accordance with the working of his strength, of the strength of his might. That means his might has strength. That's the extent you, I guess, I think in biology you might say his muscle are power. That muscle under the sky is only fine. You know, they really uh, they get some pumping in there. Yeah, yeah. They, they could contract and relax. They, they have some power. But that's what I want them to get a, an appreciation and understanding to really see what that means. Which he brought about, and this is how we get all that, brought about in Christ Jesus. In Christ. When he raised him from the dead. Oh, that's easy to do. It doesn't take a lot of power to raise you from the dead. And if we can even sometimes think about how does that work? And how did God do that? Did he sweat? You know? No. How did he do that? Did he just get out? But how do you do that? What kind of power did they use? Do we begin to comprehend that? That all of that is embodied in Christ. And then after he had raised him from there, he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. This is far above all rule. That is, nobody else is higher than him. And all authority, that is where you see it. And all power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, where they live then, but also in any to come in the future. But that's some, that's some lofty things there, attributed to Christ, in Christ. By the way, when we are in Christ, so in a sense, we in that same environment, we have also that access to some of this power. I say, I, I understand. I, I don't appreciate it because I don't understand it. But this is amazing. And verse 22 says, And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him, by the way, just so we in contact, the him referring here is Sue, God the Father or God the Son. The Son, yep. And he gave, sorry, and he put all things in subjection to his feet. And he, who's the first he? Verse 22. God the Father, yeah, put all things in subjection under his feet. His is his own feet or his son's feet? His son's feet. And gave him as head, as his son's, as head over all things to the church. Which is Another name for the church is his body. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. Do the own body. Um, well, 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 do other people's body, would you want to do your body? I think God, God is very protective of his body. Verse 23 
which is his body, the fullness of him. Who's the him? Who fills all in all? Now, if you fill all in all, that sounds like you're pretty big. That sounds like you're omni what? Present. Yeah. And I think from what I read earlier, I think he's pretty smart. So I think he's omniscient too. No, yeah. There's other om omelette about it. What is it? Powerful. Yeah. He knows everything. He's all powerful. Omnipotent. And, and this being who have all of these attributes say that we are his inheritance, that he puts that kind of value on us. He's not leaving in his, quote, will, end quote, a dilatory. I will dilatory to my nephew. <laughs> the dilatory in the back of the ad to the left of the house, at least. And to Connectry on the right side, <laughs> I leave that to Pookie. That's my dog. Yeah. But, but no, but God is leaving us. So normally, because if somebody were to leave something that was frivolous, people would say it's nobody, it's ridiculous, they were just making joke for whatever. But us, I think God is serious here. I can sense any element of humor here. God calls us, but it's incredible that he calls us. His inheritance. And he gives it. And also, but everything as we said earlier, if you read through this, just glancing through, you see everything is in Christ. Everything is in Christ, in Christ. So all that we have and benefit from is in Christ. And all of that became ours. We became beneficiaries to that. At the moment when we responded to the truth of what God said about us, and himself, and that we are all sinners, and also that, and that's the bad news, and that Christ died for us. That's good news, and it gets better if you put faith, trust in what Christ has done for us. You accrue all of these other benefits, you inherit all of these things, you become joint heirs with Christ, and all of your past sins are deleted. What was it like before the Garden of Eden? One hour before the no. Let me put it. Let me let me let me let me let me, let me, let me speed it up. What was it like? I'm saying one hour. Huh? One hour after Eve was created. What was the spiritual condition of Adam and Eve? Yes, I know, because I mean it. Well, I mean it a lot of you know, So what do you think the spiritual condition would be in life? In the world? I'm saying work, I mean, beyond them to an hour after creation. That's the world as it existed at that hour after Eve showed up. But see, she asked us, where's the more? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> where? What do you think was the spiritual condition? Quick, quick. Projection. I don't want to say perfect. You don't want to say perfect. Yeah, Do you know that perfect is the mother of perfection? And you want perfection without the perfect mother? <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Spiritual perfect. So in other words, there was no sin. Alive, we all. There was perfection. There was spiritual perfection. You know, and those who live, you know, and in communion with Daddy, Heavenly Father. And um, one day. If you have that opportunity, and God, God then takes all of that, all of the accumulated sins, taken away in Christ. That's a serious payment that takes all of that. You ever watch a, yes you have, a firing squad? How does that work? <laughs> 
two. One person could be sentenced to firing squad. And how big is the squad? More than one person, eh? Usually even more than two, eh? I guess it depends on the person who's ordering, carrying it out. The squad can be 10, you can have 20 people, and just the one target over there. And um, they say, when I get the three, pull the trigger boy. <laughs> one, two, three. And um, that's a lot of wasted bullet, eh? Because one bullet could have done the same thing. But going before the fire was far. In a sense, that's I think. That's probably what Christ did for us. Went in the fire squad because he should have died. He should not have died. Isn't that good news that he died? Yeah. That's what I'm going to tell people Yeah, that's good news. Do you say that's good for him? That he died? Well, I can argue that, yeah, from another point. Because it accrued too. Good. Now, sir, let's close then. Um, now, I, I, I speak with um, Nicholas to find out because I, this book, I knew he talked about it before, whether he wants us. Now, I noticed that it is referencing, and it may be in Ephesians, and that's just coincidental because that's where we are, um, about serious that they're doing straight through. Uh, uh, I will speak with him to see whether we go, because I think reference in there is, is not good doing it expositionally, yeah, as I am. But um, I'll find out from him how we proceed, whether we just go into chapter 2. But I think from this, their first lesson deals with, I think, the connection with the church and our connection to the church. And some people think that the church... Some people view the church as if it's a member, a member in the church. What does member mean? Membership in the church, like membership in a club. Is there a difference? Well, that's another story. Let's close and pray. We find out that there's a difference. That's another story. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the moments we've had again to again access and then to look over, discuss, interact with you and your word. And as we said at the beginning, we pray that your Holy Spirit that you've given to us as a, as a pledge, a down payment, uh, as an inheritance, that will continue to illuminate our, our eyes, our hearts, and then um, give us uh, the required wisdom so that we will apply these knowledge and truths to context where it will not only benefit us, but also accrue to bringing you glory. Um, because we believe that that's why we exist, is to bring you glory. And so to this end, we ask these things. And as we now go into a, another aspect of our time together with the incredible body of Christ to worship you together, we ask that you will be pleased with our gathering and receive in earnest our praise and our worship. In Jesus' name, amen.